This podcast was sponsored by Lula Collective. Lux activewear designed for curvy girls by curvy girls. We at Fatinize pay our respects to the traditional custodians of this land we record on today. This land is and always will be Aboriginal land. Hello everyone and welcome to a brand spanking new episode of the Fatinize podcast where we talk about the issues, topics, taboos that have to do with being a fat bitch. And it is my honor to introduce today's guest. I have been a fan of hers for many and many years now, even before I knew what her name was. (laughs) even before i knew her as aubrey gordon she was your fat friend it is the host of maintenance phase and also now new york times bestseller aubrey gordon hello my dear hello thank you so much for having me on arguably the best name for a podcast oh thank you it's so good it's such a good name and for like such an incredibly warm and fantastic introduction oh thank you what a treat to be here yeah thank you so much yes i yes fatidized it does i'm really proud of that name it's got a good ring to it yeah and i do have to say though i do come from the land of the pete evans and bell gibson though Is that triggering for you, darling? (laughs) Listen, I mean, like 90% of our episodes are about the U.S., so I would say living in the U.S. is triggering much more than, like, hearing about people from other places. So I'm like, "Eh, fine. That's fine. Absolute wackadoos. (laughs) Yep. I just have been wanting to pick your brain for so long. But before we get into the questions, I just want to like kiss your ass for a little bit. Of course, <laughs> I <laughs> you were spat out your water. <laughs> Love you. This is the closest I have ever gotten to an on mic spit take. <laughs> I was like, so lucky. Very, a very close call. Hello. <laughs> I'm such a lucky girl, aren't I? <laughs> Before we get to the topics, I just got to say your podcast with Michael Hobbs maintenance phase. Oh my God. It is what I needed as a teenager. It is what I needed as a kid. It is what every single person, which is pretty much the entire world that has been consumed and influenced by diet culture needs. Mm. Like it just breaks down these you just break down topics of these like diets and these diet trends that have just taken over our lives and just made them look so stupid. Like, <laughs> like you just break them down in a way and you're just like, oh my God, 10,000 steps. Yeah, that is stupid. Why did they, why did they think that we would fall for that? And why did we? Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, why did they think that we would? And why were they right? Uh oh. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'll say this it is an extraordinarily fun show to make. Uh, if I have like a thing that is uh, that I have like maybe an unhealthy attachment to, it's getting my own mind blown <laughs> and getting my own expectations and understandings of things rearranged. It's like one of my favorite feelings is that dawning realization that you've been really wrong about something for a yeah. really long time <laughs> and uh so it's been a really fun show to make and the idea that anyone 
wants to listen to me and Mike wreck ourselves <laughs> and like wreck our own conceptions of things uh, is a real like icing on the cake, you know, cherry on the sundae. Like it's really a delight that people enjoy the show. It's yeah. such an incredible show. Like you have a many Aussie fans here, I can just say. And yeah, just big congratulations on having such a successful podcast. Uh, people that people listening right now, if you don't listen to the maintenance phase, actually, no, that, that, that's a lot. Everyone listening to this podcast now will know of a maintenance phase and a listen. Yes, that's, <laughs> that's, I just, I just don't see any of my listeners that aren't, aren't maintenance phase listeners. Like it's just, oh. I, I will say this, uh, to your point about many Aussie fans, I haven't looked recently, but the last time I checked our, I think it was our number two city was Melbourne. Wow, really? Like really, really a lot of Aussie. Fans. Oh, like that's fabulous. Incredible. Yes. Yeah, made me really happy. Made me really Yay. happy. Yay. Yay. Aussies learning that diet culture is a bunch of shit. Yay. Let's go. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, time for some brain picking. I need to pick at your brain, my dear. Mm. Okay. I need to talk to you about the Met Gala and. Kyle Lagerfeld. Of course, you had that episode about the Kyle Lagerfeld diet book, which just brings me so much joy. What was your reaction to the celebrities attending the event? Like Jamila Jamil, she put out this incredible statement, and we, of course, we mm. stand Jamila Jamil. She put out this incredible statement about the hypocrisy of celebrities attending the event, particularly ones that are feminists, like Emrata. What was your thoughts on the whole event? Did you find that there were celebrities calling it out by being there because they're in marginalized bodies? Or did you find it hypocritical people being there? What was your thoughts on it? Well, I'll say a couple of things. One, in terms of celebrity responses to it, my favorite is Michaela Cole showing up in Scaparelli, which uh, Coco Chanel famously despised mm -hmm. uh, and Carl Lagerfeld worked at Chanel for quite some time. So I'm just like, I really like a deeply encoded fashion burn. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't see that coming, <laughs> but I'm like, really well done, Michaela Cole. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think of course there are questions of like complicity here, but the thing that I felt like uh, my sort of like initial emotional reaction was like, this is something that is put on every year by Anna Wintour. This was not ever going to be a source of like fat affirming anything, right? Like my expectations are like not on the ground, but underneath the ground. <laughs> like that's where the bar is on this one. <laughs> um, so I felt sort of profoundly unsurprised. It feels like business as usual in mm. the sort of high fashion industry and in celebrity world, right? Um, I think if I had different expectations and if I had, if there were like many other like designers or magazines or whatever that were highlighting plus size high fashion, or inviting lots more fat folks to events like this one, I would have a lot more how dare you in me. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think as it stands, it feels, uh, yeah, it feels very unsurprising to me. I, my understanding from sort of folks who are more in fashion world is that uh, Karl Lagerfeld really is seen as like a, 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 an extremely influential figure. Um, and he's also famously like an absolute gremlin. And this feels like, 
the fashion industry showing us what we already knew about the fashion industry, which is that they are totally fine with like openly celebrating the rejection of fat people. Mm-hmm. That's sort of my take on it. And like, again, like, it, would it be nice for celebrities to say something or have a message? Absolutely. To like interrupt that? Absolutely. But I kind of think if we're talking about something that feels really rotten to the core on this particular topic, I'm sort of like, ah, of all the things to fight for in the world, I don't know that I need to like die on the hill of like, make the Met Gala more fat friendly. <laughs> like, I'm like, get us care. <laughs> like, leave us alone. Get us yeah. closed. Like, <laughs> I got, I feel like I got other priorities, but also like totally (laughs) understand and support that like many, many folks were like rightfully pretty horrified by this. Mm. I think part of my reaction to this is also a measure of my, uh, uh, like 10,000 yard stare about (laughs) anti-fatness kind of stuff, right? Yeah. Um, how about you? What was your response to the Met Gala stuff? Oh, I was like a bit... To be honest, my favorite thing was just seeing a bunch of gorgeous fat women, Lizzo, Preciously, mm. just looking hot as fuck. And me, and I was just watching it and me thinking, God, Carl Lagerfeld would have hated this. <laughs> <laughs> he would have hated it. Like there was this photo of Lizzo eating fries in a kitchen beforehand. And I'm just like, oh, that is... Again, it is a fashion burn and I love it. I do love a good- Yeah, totally. I love some pettiness. I love, love, love pettiness. And I didn't think about that though, what you said about it's hosted by Anna Wintour. She is the most fat phobic person there is. Like she pressured employees to go on diets. Like <laughs> like famously. Like there's a movie about her being horrible about this mm-hmm. stuff, right? Like there is yeah. yes, this is this is a big, big part of her reputation, as it was a big, big part of Carl Lagerfeld's reputation, right? Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, I'm not like holding my breath for that lady to like come around on fat people. <laughs> like <that's, laughs> That seems like that's another lifetime. That's another person. That's another iteration of Vogue. All of it. Yeah. Boy, yeah. Boy. It's a group of people that say that they are getting donations to fund a museum, even though they're all millionaires. Yeah. They're not in our world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's right. That's exactly right. And what I love the most, I think a lot of the discourse I heard from celebrities and like commentators were like, oh, Lagerfeld, he was just posh. That's all he was. He was just a bit posh. He was just grumpy. It's like, uh, my Nana's posh and uh, she doesn't say, <laughs> oh, what did he say about Fre- that, that, that French, what does he say? French women just sit around on their couches, eating food, yelling at the TV. She doesn't say that. Mm. Yeah, totally. Mm. Or what was his other thing was... Um... There's a great like, collection the of The nation them. of Russia. <laughs> he was like, it's the most attractive women and the most unattractive men. And I wanted to be like, what did a Russian man do to you, Carl Lagerfeld? <laughs> this is such a weird, specific take that you have here. Uh, uh, but yeah, I, I, it, it really feels to me like, yeah, gremlin's gonna gremlin. You know what I mean? Like, this is like, this is just... Uh, really anti-fat people being like, don't forget, I also feel this way about fat people, right? Like, in case you'd forgotten, here I am, I'm back again. Uh, so and also, like, of course it should be different. Of course it should be different. Mm. And uh, it isn't, and I don't feel surprised that it is. Mm. I guess would be my headline. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I just, also, I'm the other so... thing I will say, 
Oh, go ahead. I'm so using gremlins will just be gremlins. I love that so much. Don't do it by all means. Um, the other fat person who was at the Met Gala, for those of us who are counting on our fingers, uh, <laughs> this is the first year that I'm aware of that they let in three fat people. What? Wow. Uh, and the third was uh, Harvey Guillen, uh, who is like, like staggeringly just over the top fantastic in exactly yeah. the way you hope for at the Met Gala. Mm -hmm. And uh, the other thing I will say on this topic is that this was like four or five years ago. It was a tweet, not a commitment. My broken brain is just hanging on to this wish. Um, Nicolette Mason who uh, and Gabby Gregg, who were the co-designers of a late great plus size brand called Prem in the mm. US, um, during the Met Gala started jokingly tweeting about how they were going to start a fat Met Gala. <laughs> it has been like five years since that tweet. And I'm like, please, 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 please. This oh, is all I want. Can you imagine the majesty of like a fat version of the Met Gala? Beautiful. The fashion. Yes. I love it so much. Yes. And the donations will actually go to an important cause, not some Richie Rich museum that already has enough money. <laughs> we'd all, we'd literally all be wearing Christian Syria. <laughs> the only high fashion designer who will dress plus size people as far as I can tell. <laughs> oh, speaking of anti-fatness, we need to talk about the fall of Jenny Craig. Oh my God. <laughs> Those that didn't hear the weight loss giant, Jenny Craig has gone bankrupt. And I know I should be a big good person and be all like, oh, but jobs are lost. Oh, I don't give a heck. I don't give a fuck. No. <laughs> Jenny Craig has given millions upon millions of people probably the worst form of body image issues just have maybe was like the starter point the gateway drug to more dieting like mm -hmm. it is one of the most toxic brands out there and yeah i'm glad to see it fall what was your reaction aubrey when you saw that they were going bankrupt I mean, listen, I feel like, like any fat person who has ever encountered a Jenny Craig, I was like, hey, <laughs> let's party. Yeah. This is the best. Uh, yeah, I mean, it is like straightforwardly really good news mm -hmm. um, and really gratifying to watch these uh, companies really struggle. I mean, I think uh, as of, I think it was two months ago, I, I, I had not checked more recently than that. But uh, Weight Watchers U.S. Uh, stock was down about two thirds from where it was this time last year. Yes, uh, totally. Yes. They are on the ropes. Uh, and Jenny Craig shutting down. Like it feels like there are sort of two things at play here. One mm -hmm. is uh, folks my age and younger are realizing that the diets that their moms used absolutely never worked and <laughs> just end up making them feel terrible all the time. So why? So why? Um, <laughs> Shocking. I had no idea that would happen. Wow. Weird also to have trauma associations with prepackaged meals that were forced on you as a child. <laughs> Who could have guessed? <laughs> uh, oh. 
I mean, so that's like thing one. Thing two that feels um, less straightforwardly good and more like uh, is, you know, we have yet to hear sort of a market breakdown of this, but part of the issue with Jenny Craig was that they couldn't find a buyer for the company. Mm. Um, and uh, venture capitalist companies, uh, venture capitalists, I should just say, um, have a uh, real history of investing bucket loads of money in weight loss companies. I think most recently Noom got a, just a massive uh, injection of cash and has repeatedly from venture capitalists. And I think part of the bad news for Jenny Craig is that they're not cashing in uh, or weren't cashing in on what Weight Watchers is cashing in on, which is uh, weight loss injections are now sort of the name of the game mm -hmm. uh, in terms of weight loss world. So in some ways it feels really satisfying and hopeful and great to have something like Jenny Craig fold and sort of in the background, you can see this gathering storm, <laughs> right? That is these sort of weight loss injections. So I think like, I feel very happy that Jenny Craig is long gone so long. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. And uh, it definitely doesn't feel like we're out of hot water on this stuff. It feels like we're yeah. about to go out of the frying pan and into the fire on <laughs> quite a bit of this. Uh, so it feels like a double-edged sword, you know? How about you? Tell me about your responses to all of it. Yeah, it is difficult. Like, at, at on one side, as similar to you, like, I'm so happy to finally see this company go down that has caused so much trauma. And literally, like, I love the fact that we're all just trauma bonding based on prepackaged meals. Like, that's just, <laughs> yeah. that's how it is now. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Boo. But it is, I just feel like, yeah, it's just another trend of weight loss and diet culture is coming through. Like, before it was weight loss teas, weight loss gummy bears even. And now it's weight loss injections like Ozempic. And you you have said on the show previously, I don't know what episode it was. I There's so many in my brain. But you did say on the like it is complicated weight loss injections because when it is people in marginalized bodies seeking weight loss injections, there's a lot of layers to it because we live in an anti-fat world. So that's a whole complicated story. But it's, yeah. it's just hard because yeah i do get what you mean it just feels like there's like another storm coming and it's weight loss injections but then at the same time you can't it's we can't be too critical of weight loss injections because for some people that's like the only way they can like you know get health care or get a yeah. certain job is if they lose weight yeah absolutely i mean i think the trick here i think you could totally be critical of weight loss injections just mm. be careful about being critical of the people who use them right yes um, that yeah like yeah. you know critique novo nordisk until the end of time <laughs> i will lead the way i'll be so happy to be there <laughs> Those guys can get fucked. Yeah. <laughs> and at the same time, I don't want that like very focused rage to spill out uh, into the lives of super fat and infinifat people who are already, you know, in the US being sent to veterinarians to weigh on in on a veterinary scale mm -hmm. or can't get an MRI because MRI machines are not built in such a way that anticipates that any fat person will ever need an MRI, right? Mm -hmm. Like 
those are very real needs that folks need to meet. And there is not a meaningful large scale effort on the horizon that shows that that those might get met in the near future. So like it, for me, it goes into a similar category as weight loss surgery. Like that is a thing that absolutely should not be promoted in the way that it is promoted. And also if very fat people feel like that is their only shot at meeting their most basic needs, who the hell am I to say, right? Like, I can't uh, I can't fault other fat people for how they deal with anti-fatness and I sort of politically refuse to, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really respected that episode when you and Michael were talking about that because I had never thought of it that way because I just thought like, oh, anyone that takes, um, we'll just say Ozempic, obviously there's other weight loss injections, but yeah, anyone yeah. that takes that type of injection, they are just, oh, what's the word? They're just continuing this notion that you know oh we should all lose weight but obviously we don't realize that for a lot of people yeah they feel like they are forced to lose weight in order to just live in society totally and also i would say some of that is down to the media coverage around Mm -hmm. ozempic which is like hyper focused on thin people getting thinner and has particularly focused on this as like a rumored celebrity trend, which again, feels like it's putting the focus in fully the wrong place to my mind, or at least like that shouldn't be all of the coverage that we're getting, right? Like we should also get some coverage that's like, what does this actually mean for fat people? Also the other sort of set of voices that has been fully absented from the media conversation in the U S and I'm curious to hear how this, compares to Australia Mm. is um, diabetic people. Like the people for whom this drug was designed are not being covered one iota in this conversation. And that feels pretty unconscionable to me as well to, to categorically write out the voices of this specific segment of disabled people who are seen as quote unquote doing it to themselves, right? So we don't need to talk to them, right? It's like, it's heavy in a bunch of different directions uh and complicated in a bunch of different directions and look i'm sure there are more complications that i'm not thinking of right um but it feels like leaving some space for fat people to do what they need to do (laughs) in the face of anti-fatness feels really feels like an important part to me personally we'll be back in just a moment but first i want to talk to you all about today's sponsor lula collective Anyone that lives in a plus-size body knows how hard it is to find activewear that actually fits your body and makes you feel comfortable and confident whenever you're moving your body. We all know the struggle. If the tights are too loose, they'll roll down while you walk. Or if the sports bras are too tight, they'll leave you with red marks all over your skin. That's why it's so important to find activewear that perfectly fits your every curve. Introducing New Zealand-founded brand Lula Co., an activewear label that ranges from sizes 14 to 30. Shopping on their website is so easy. Their AI sizing calculator not only determines your clothing size, but also shows you if certain items will be loose or tight on certain areas of your body. They also show you how to measure your body and offer an extensive size guide with videos that show diverse bodies. Lulaco is here to disrupt the plus size fashion and fitness industries by being fiercely dedicated to creating pieces that are designed for curves and creating an inclusive and liberating space for the plus size community. Their mission is to redefine your relationship with your body and movement. 
Lulico have been kind enough to offer our listeners a 10% discount. Simply use the discount code DEMI10 at checkout. Free shipping for all Australia and New Zealand orders over $100. Visit lulacollective.com. Lula Collective. Lux Activewear. Designed for Curvy Gals by Curvy Gals. So now we need to talk about something on a more of a lighter note, on a more better note than Ozempic and Carl Lagerford. We need to talk about your book, my dear. Let's do it. Sure. <laughs> Is it a lighter note? Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, maybe it is not a lot of note because yeah, your book goes into some deep shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a it's a it's a rough read. I uh, gave uh, the early manuscript to my mom uh, mm. before it went to publish, and uh, asked for her feedback, and she was like, "It's really good." but you are a little bummer factory. And I was like, I am a little bummer factory. All I do is talk about bad, sad things. Hello. You figured out my secret. It only took 39 years, but <laughs> Something you also love is long titles, girl. You love, long, you love a long title. <laughs> so all of them are a mouthful. And then I have to say them 1000 times on a book tour. And every time I'm like, What's wrong with a one word title? Buddy? What's wrong? What's wrong with it? All right. If you could pick one word from this title to be the title oh. of your book, what we, so, okay. So, those of you that don't know, it is You Just Need to Lose Weight and 19 Other Myths About Fat People. That could be like a good tongue twist of like saying really fast again and again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unique New York. Unique, Unique New York. New York. <laughs> yeah. You just need to lose weight and nice and other myths about fat people. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess if I'm picking one word, it's got to be fat, right? Yep, like, I don't know. How you... <laughs> just like fat, the book. I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, it is. It is a very long. It is a very long title. Uh, and. Uh, I love it. It tells people what it is and like. It's definitely descriptive. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So the book uh, came out in January. Um, mm -hmm. It is, uh, as the title very much describes in painstaking detail, mm -hmm. uh, it is sort of either straight out debunking or. Um, adding some nuance and different perspective to 20 of the things that I feel like I hear the most frequently and that um, uh, other folks in fat community uh, have suggested uh, covering. Things like uh, it's fine to be body positive as long as you're quote unquote happy and healthy. Uh, oh, yeah. I've heard that a million times. As soon as I, as soon as I saw that myth out like on the, oh, I was just like, Bleh. Healthy. Yeah. Oh, as long as you're happy and healthy, you gotta be healthy. It's a it's rough like, one. Talk to mm. me about your like emotional response to that one. Aside from your gastrointestinal <laughs> response, which I'm gonna get clear. As long as I want to interrupt my dinner. Yeah. Oh, ha happy and healthy, especially because <sighs> in, in Australia here, we have a very much a fit culture. Everyone's all about like, you know, going to the beach, doing nippers, which is like surf life saving. And it's very much like this notion that everyone's just born, born doing exercising. Like we're just born out of, born out of our mothers and we're just exercising straight away. Just like mm -hmm. doing surf lifesaving or doing netball, doing footy and stuff. And yeah, there's just this preconceived notion that, 
oh, if you're fat and you're doing all these things, that's good. As long as you're doing all these things and because yeah, and if you're doing all these fitness things, then you must be happy. You must be healthy. Uh-huh. It's just a very, yeah, sports centric culture that we live in. So it's like, you can only be fat if you're sport obsessed. And then even if you are fat and sport obsessed, people are like, but why? Why, why do you look like that? Why, why aren't you smaller? If you like sport, you must be doing something Mm -hmm. wrong and you must be wanting to lose weight. No one just exists in their body. Everyone's always wanting to be smaller. That's Mm -hmm. definitely the Australian way. That's, that's for sure at the moment. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I'll say, uh, you know, the U S I would imagine quite a bit like Australia is a, a, a many and varied place. Um, Mm. and I am in a part of the country, I'm in the Pacific Northwest, uh, that sees itself as being, uh, very sort of left of center, uh, politically, very progressive and open-minded, also extraordinarily white and with a deep rooted racist history. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, I think one of the places where bigotry shows up the most readily in the Northwest also has a very sort of outdoorsy culture, I would say. Lots of hiking, fishing, all of that kind of stuff. Um, uh, One of the ways that sort of bigotry reveals itself most readily in the Northwest is anti-fatness, right? That the assumption is, um, I appreciated your sort of like, if you like sports, then why are you that way, huh? Um, and I think the response here is, you say you like sports, and I know that you're lying because I can see you, right, is sort of the vibe. And it's yeah. really awful. Like, it's mm-hmm. a really sort of horrific way to to treat people that are usually, like, acquaintances or friends of friends or colleagues or neighbors or whatever, right? It's a thing that I feel like um, we don't actually spend enough time on in conversations about anti-fatness and diet culture um, is that while I think we think anti-fatness reveals a lot about fat people, it ends up revealing infinitely more about thin people and their assumptions. Mm -hmm. And that is one of them where I'm like, oh my God, you can't conceive of a fat person who likes running and just goes (laughs) running not to try and lose weight, but just Mm -hmm. because they like going for a run. Yeah, There is no room in your brain for that idea that is too much cognitive dissonance uh it's it's really sort of bizarre to watch people just like uh you know show just their entire ass without having any realization that that is what they're doing (laughs) (laughs) yep another myth in your book that really was one of those like you know moment of realization tell me yeah oh Oh, well, I, just, I forget the actual t- headline of what it was called, but the one about parents feeling they have a responsibility. <laughs> Your reaction. <laughs> so it was the one about parents feeling they have a responsibility for their child's weight. The facts that you found, BMI report cards, children, act- there actually is court evidence of children actually being taken away from their parents because the children apparently were seen as, oh, what was the word you said? Was it, um, you explained, you, you, you know what I'm talking about. I'm trying to remember the word that you said. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't remember the particular word, but the story essentially is this. Uh, the chapter opens with a, a story about uh, a judge in the UK mm. um, sort of speaking to a case around child custody and ruling that um, children would be moved into essentially foster care and taken mm. away from their parents um, specifically because of their size. And the judge particularly says from the bench uh says uh these are really bright children they're really well behaved they're really sweet they seem really fun they have everything in the world going for them but you couldn't keep them thin <laughs> therefore these kids now live with someone else and uh, i will say i am not generally speaking a drinker like i just don't it's just not for me mm. and i went through about half a bottle of whiskey just researching that chapter because it was so heavy and intense and mm -hmm. horrific to think about the systems that we are setting up to ensure that fat kids have a hard time in childhood and for the rest of their lives right as a result of quite a bit of this stuff yeah i will say if folks are wanting even more of a deep dive um into that topic uh virginia soulsmith who is an outstanding reporter um just released a book called fat talk parenting in the age of diet culture and it is like ugh, chef's kiss incredible uh and a real deep dive into sort of every facet of this she's got a whole chapter on those bmi report cards uh, which is like, and she found all kinds of stuff that I didn't find. Uh, she's incredible at what she does. But yeah, that one was without question, that was the toughest to write. Yeah, that was a very heavy chapter. And just, it was just, yeah, a lot of, a lot of moments of just like, what, what, what? That happened? That actually yeah. happened. And because from, here in Australia, the stories that I hear about, like, you know, the whole weight being infused into children's brains and being like, you know, it's such a priority and stuff. You just hear, like, you hear some stories, but it's kind of just like, oh, schools are telling parents what they have to pack for lunches for their kids and they get hurt, they get sent home notes. I don't know if this happens in the US, but parents will actually get sent yeah. home notes if they were packed a sandwich instead of a salad or something like that it's yeah exactly okay <laughs> i'm not aware of that happening in the US. oh the, the, the notes going home that i'm aware of are like hey you packed peanut butter and we have a peanut allergies rule or something much more sort of centered around food allergies kind of stuff but <gasps> i am not as aware. oh honey oh say, oh 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 so my auntie she actually got sent home a note because she packed a sandwich for her kid and sandwiches aren't healthy apparently wow <laughs> they yeah get... stop eating bread most of the world <laughs> like your food is wrong bread is right. get out of here eat more expensive things like us <laughs> okay. it's All not right. like it's not like we're going through like a financial crisis or anything or coming off a pandemic and everyone you know can't afford fancy salads and all that stuff but yeah yeah, 
yeah, don't worry about the creeping rise of fascism around the world. <laughs> What's that, Kitty? Can you bully them gently about it? Oh, <laughs> uh, that's a yeah, yeah. So that that is a common thing in Australia. Yeah, keep, people will get sent notes if they apparently are packing unhealthy lunches. Um, they even like at the beginning of the school year, they have like a list given to them of like this is what we recommend you pack your children for lunch. And when I grew up, when I was growing up, there were some kids that didn't even get a lunch. So like the fact that these kids even get a lunch, that's pretty good, I think. <laughs> I think that's good enough. Yeah, there were some jurisdictions in the US that uh, enacted during the pandemic free breakfast and lunch for kids mm. um, because they recognized that the biggest challenge for kids around nutrition during a pandemic when parents couldn't work was likely to be food insecurity. And schools were already serving food, so why not? Yeah. Uh, and uh, many of those have now been rolled back in the name of sort of the war against obesity, quote unquote, mm. um, because they're more concerned with kids getting fat than like having enough food. What are we doing? <laughs> what are we doing? Oh. That chapter that you did on the obesity epidemic, you did do an episode about it on the maintenance phase, which I recommend everyone give a listen because, again, as I said early on, early on in this recording, it's literally the pinnacle of you calling out something that's just been ingrained into our brains since day dot that, oh my God, the obesity epidemic, oh my God, this big scary thing is happening and you unveil it into being this stupid scam it's a literal scam it's 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 like Be it's bell gibson pete evans level scam <laughs> <laughs> i mean i here's what i find fascinating about that particular story for folks who are unfamiliar uh in a nutshell the story is essentially that a bunch of researchers uh, in the U.S. and uh, sort of folks who are, you know, relatively high up in medical institutions here in the States um, felt that not enough funding was going to researching fatness and fat people and that not enough attention was going to that issue as a political priority. Um, so they uh, ran very, what I would consider to be very close to an AstroTurf campaign, which is sort of like, instead of having grassroots, you've got AstroTurf, right? <laughs> you've got the, like, roll it out AstroTurf. We made it up. Whoop, here it is. Um, <laughs> and uh, they ran a pretty lasting sort of uh, communications and political campaign to get uh, political leaders and funders to spend much more money uh, on researching uh, essentially like partly how to make fat people thin, but mostly well, why is it so terrible to be fat? We know it's bad, but why and how? And let's <laughs> itemize all the ways. Um, when all of that also could have gone to research into how to give fat people more responsive healthcare mm -hmm. and how to get more people, certainly in the US, like, how to get people healthcare, period. Right? Yep. <laughs> like uh, we're still living in a country where over a third of Americans don't have a GP, right? Like do not have a doctor that they can go to. Um, mm. The idea that we would pay attention first to diets and then like eight to healthcare provision. 
just feels absolutely ass backwards to me. And I, I think what fascinates me about that story is that that is a group of people, as is the case with really a lot of anti-fatness, that is a group mm -hmm. of predominantly thin people who really thought genuinely in their bones that they were doing fat people a favor and that this was a like capital letters, a good thing, right? That they were sort of doing here. And it feels like a real story of like, man, the road to hell really is paved with good intentions. Uh, <laughs> because like, I believe that those are people who really, again, sort of firmly believe it. I, I trust that that is what they uh, intended. And holy shit, it didn't occur to even one of them to be like, should we ask some fat people? Like, is this helping? How do you feel about this? Like, not a once does that happen in this entire story. And it's sort of really staggering. I mean, I think the other thing to know about that story is that um, uh, that was all sort of built on the foundation of redefining quote unquote obesity as a quote unquote disease. And in nearly every medical institution that it sort of entertained this question, their study group of researchers and physicians and sort of all manner of scientists said, we can't actually totally make this redefinition because we don't have a definition of disease. So how can we say this thing is this other thing if we don't have a definition of the other thing? And in each of those cases, the institutions overrode the recommendations of their own study groups and did it anyway. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's a part of the story that I certainly had no idea about that, like, quite a bit of this had happened over the objections of scientists. And I was like, <laughs> oh, man, this feels real broken, team. <laughs> I don't feel good. Where's yeah. the other half of my bottle of whiskey? <laughs> it is just crazy to think that because those two words, obesity epidemic, is used in, you, again, you speak about this in the book, it's used repeatedly in news stories, in articles, or just like, you know, pro professional opinion havers like Piers Morgan, like, they'll just use it as, oh, this is a reason why I hate fat people, obesity epidemic. Uh -huh. But really, it started off as something that even scientists were like, uh, no, girl, no, we're, we're not gonna, yeah. nah, that, that doesn't sound about right. And you see like so many, like, of course you got, you know, the news coverage that shows fat people's bodies from the chin to the legs and it's just the belly and it's like a close up of them or it's a close up of them eating and, and they always put obesity epidemic. Look how bad it is. These fat people, they just come out of nowhere. <laughs> it's just. Yeah. Almost oh. always a McDonald's bag in yep. frame with that B-roll, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, it's, I appreciate your point about uh, folks sort of saying, ah, it's an epidemic and that's why. Because mm. uh, I think, like, I think that's a really salient point that quite a bit of the sort of storytelling, the cultural storytelling we do about fat people really seems to me to uh, enable anti-fat bias in pretty profound ways and allows folks to naturalize and justify to themselves that actually it's not their own bigotry. Actually, they're not uncomfortable. Actually, it's not that they have something that they need to work on. It's that fat people are now a social contagion. Mm -hmm. We're spreading some kind of disease. We're a contaminant. 
and actually it's for everyone's good that we're being terrible to fat people right yeah um and that just feels like the underpinnings of of so much of it it's really wild uh and uh unsurprisingly uh a lot of folks don't seem particularly interested in that angle. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, yeah. It's either from the angle of, oh my God, they're patient zero. They're going to influence others to become like them. They become this epidemic. Or it's, I just care about your health, you know. I just yeah. really care about you. And I want to yeah. help because I'm a thin person. And, you know, I'm just the epitome of what everyone wants to be and look like. I just scream health. So I just care about you. It seems to be like either one of those ways, that's how people justify their anti-fatness. Well, also, I'll say as a queer person, that is straight up uh, love the sin or hate the sin kind of stuff. And that yes. didn't work for me then <laughs> when I came out. That doesn't work for me now. Mm-hmm. No, thanks. Somebody <laughs> only you know. <laughs> oh, yep, yep. So what has been the reception so far? Your book has been been out since January. What has been the reception like? Because this book isn't just for fat people. This is for people of all bodies. And it's literally like so many times, like say if you're having an argument with someone, because we're always having an argument with someone. And it's just the it's just the perfect book to be like, oh, well, bitch, read my read my notes here. Read this. Like, oh. Oh, you think, oh, what, what is it? You think I'm glorifying obesity? Read this, bitch. Yeah. What has been, <laughs> I say bitch a lot. I'm so professional. Don't I yeah. really <laughs> like it. Oh, this is great. I, I, I'm queer and I like very much like push my queer agenda a lot with the word bitch a lot. So you welcome world. I love it so much. Good job. Good job. Good job. <laughs> Feeling really seen, feeling really held in this space. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> but what has been the reception like? Like, have people been telling you instances where they have sent the link to your book to others? What has that been like? I will say it's been a wide range of responses as it Mm. always is. And the biggest responses usually come uh, from the biggest media outlets when you do an interview. So I had an interview uh, air recently, a TV interview that I had recorded some time ago. uh, And I found out that it aired because I woke up the next morning and had a couple dozen absolutely heinous emails from strangers being like, cite your sources. And I'm like, that's why I wrote a book. (laughs) (laughs) All the sources are there. But in general, people who actually pick up a copy of the book um, and and read it uh, have been extraordinarily wonderful. I think um, the biggest and most meaningful responses to me personally have been like the number of moms who have written in saying, I finally apologized to my kid after reading this book is like absolutely incredible i think if you have a mom and you have a body you probably have feelings about your mom's feelings about your body (laughs) uh and that you know goes double triple quadruple for fat people right yes Uh, so that kind of stuff feels like extraordinarily meaningful um the other one that has been extraordinarily meaningful is the number of mds who have written in and oh. physician assistants and nurses and all manner of healthcare providers going, here's a list of the things that I'm changing in my practice. 
we're not weighing people anymore. We're getting conical blood pressure cuffs. So they work for everyone. We're getting higher weight equipment. The next time we buy equipment, we're doing all of this sort of stuff. Right. And like that kind of stuff feels like, all right, now we're cooking with gas. Now we're getting somewhere. Let's roll, you know? Uh, so overwhelmingly really lovely and occasionally troll garbage, (laughs) you know, (laughs) but like what's new? What's new? Occasional <laughs> troll garbage. That's yeah. the name well, of my new band. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, if you're a fat person on the internet, as we all know, you're going to get some trolls. And most of the time, mo- well, most, most of the time when I get trolls and they just go down the anti-fat route, I'm just like, oh, honey, you tried. Look at you trying to make me make it. Oh, look at you having a little hobby of yours, hating on others. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have to admit yeah, what right. I have to admit what your book has actually been the best for is I have some mm. future in-laws that are very anti-fat. What I've been doing <laughs> is I've been listening to like a chapter of your book before I go to like a family meeting, fa- family meeting, fa- family gathering, just so I can just have a little bit of information because I've got the worst memory in the world. I just have a little bit of memory, memory just tucked away in there in case something, you know, anti-fat is said, I could be like, well, did you know fact of the day what you're saying is a lot of crap there and i have my sources here that's what i've been doing and it's i really great. like that your approach to that is like like a little bit of a children's show presenter vibe like did you know <laughs> this is gonna be great guys <laughs> like, I just love it that's great that's wonderful <laughs> i never thought i'd be compared to a children's host but i'll take it anyway. yeah <laughs> Well, here we are yeah here we are <laughs> but just honest I'm, I'm so glad that it's been useful in that way i feel like boy oh boy if fat folks get any use out of it at all that's absolutely phenomenal and my goal is to uh get to people who are not fat and are t- kind of terrible to fat people and think they're being good to us this is uh uh i can't remember who it was uh but uh, a friend and colleague described it as an excellent guide for the uh, well-intended but bumbling <laughs> among us, <laughs> you know? And I was like, that's kind of right. That's kind of right. If you've been yes. on autopilot on this issue, come on down, do some, do some reading. Yes. Yes. It's yep. It's pretty much that for me because I am someone that just constantly has word vomit and I have like so many things I want to say that ends up just being like, oh, blah, 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 blah. so this is a great resource for me to turn my blah, 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 into actual words <laughs> and great arguments. It's great. Yeah. Love it. Thank you so much. Thank yeah, you so much. It's so amazing. And also like, of course, with the podcast as well, Maitland's Face. That is also something that I constantly do. Like, oh, what did you know? Here's a podcast you should listen to if you want more facts on that. Yeah. We're creating an army of insufferable people and I love it. Yeah. We're just just a walking infomercial. "Mm, Yeah. Actually, I'm like, great, good, go. I love it. Correct people. They are wrong. Mm -hmm. We're just a bunch (laughs) of terrible human beings. Yeah, that's your work for the world. That's right. That's yeah. right. <laughs> so we are nearing the end of the interview, even though I could just 
chat to you for hours upon hours, my dear. God, likewise. This yeah. is such a treat. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah. With every single week on the show, myself and my guests, we share our fave fat-friendly finds of the week, which is basically brands, content creators, labels that actually cater to fat people, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Imagine. Yeah. Aubrey uh, Gordon, my dear. Faith, fat, friendly, finds of the week. Okay, so two, I have two of them. Yep. One, I'm getting ready to do some traveling. Uh, I have not been on a plane since before the pandemic. It just hasn't happened. Uh, I'm not relishing uh, getting back on a plane. That sounds not fun to me. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I remembered that uh, I have my trusty uh, seatbelt extender. Like I bought a seatbelt extender for yes. use on a plane. You don't have to ask anybody. They are inexpensive. They are easily findable on the internet. And usually they are advertised with which airlines they work for the seats on, right? Um, most of them are pretty close to universal. Mm. Uh, it is uh, a, a great way to save yourself a stressful interaction. And it is for me like a little security blanket. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? To be like, I'm in charge of this situation. I don't actually need to involve somebody else if I don't want to. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it's really great. The other one that I have is a book that is coming out actually probably right around the time that this episode is, uh, is coming out. Uh, it's called the slow AF run club and it's written by uh, someone named Martinez Evans. Uh, he has an Instagram account called 300 pounds and running. Uh, the book is about his experience uh, as a plus size runner and as someone who's not trying to be the fastest and not trying to lose weight and what it means to sort of like embrace physical activity that you like, not out of a sense of weight loss, but out of a sense of joy. And it's a really um, beautiful and moving and also eminently usable uh, book. Uh, and I just can't recommend it enough. It's like, ugh, fantastic. Oh, yeah. I'm keen yeah. on that. Yes. Very exciting. I, mm. I myself am not a runner, but uh, I am a, like a rower and a swimmer. Those are the things that I like. And I felt like I got a ton out of it from that perspective of just being like, oh, right. You can move because you like the way it feels and because you feel better afterwards. You can move for all manner of reasons, right? That particular, as fat people, we have these sort of frameworks foisted upon us uh, by uh, all manner of people and institutions. And it feels um, really helpful and really, in a funny way, sort of healing to go through all the things that have been foisted on us and go, you know what? I actually like Diet Coke. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually a fan of cottage cheese and I would like to try going for a run at some point or I'd love to go for a swim or whatever. Yeah. And just come back to those things on your own terms. And I think it's a book that really allows for that. That's I'm very, very keen on reading that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds that sounds awesome. And yeah. to and to add to your seatbelt extender for planes, I spoke to a mm -hmm. friend recently who lives in a fat body, and she said that she started to use seatbelt extenders for Ubers, and I was just like, genius, brilliant. because absolutely brilliant. Mm-hmm. Because so many because 
cars are just made so differently like the seats the seat belts even like how much room you have for your arms as well and I don't know about you, but whenever I get into an Uber, the Uber doesn't wait till I put my seatbelt on. They're just like, all right, we're going straight away. We're going straight away. It's yeah, just like, yeah, okay, yeah, I got. Yeah, yeah. So when you put your seatbelt on, it's like a lot of like, oh my God, oh my God, I gotta go quickly put it on. And it's, yeah, very frightening realizing, oh shit, this doesn't fit me. And he's already driving about 60Ks right now. What do I do? Yeah, so totally. Seatbelt extenders for Ubers, taxis. God, that's I it. hadn't thought about the car version. And mm. It's so, ugh. That's outstanding. Mm -hmm. I'm very excited about that. Yeah, yeah. So my Faye Fat Friendly find is actually a content creator that is doing incredible work right now. And it's to do with air travel, which so I think you'll be interested. Her name is Jaylene Cheney, and she has created a petition for the FAA. Yes. And she is calling for planes to actually protect plus size travelers and actually people in all marginalized bodies. So mm -hmm. that's someone I think I'm just an... I'm just in awe of at the moment of what she's doing because for so, so long, we've just been saying, you know, we physically can't fit in the chairs or we, you know, finish a flight and we got bruising all down our hips. Mm -hmm. And what I love so much about her petition, it's not just for fat people because God forbid something just be for fat people. No one's going to care about that, <laughs> which is very sad. It's also for yeah. people say in wheelchairs because she's calling for bathrooms to be made that's access that's bigger and more accessible to all bodies because for a lot of people in that are wheelchair bound they physically can't go to the toilet the entire flight and that's just yeah disgusting that people can't do that so yeah i just urge people to sign her petition what she's doing is incredible she really is at the forefront of because she's getting a lot of crap and of course you have news outlets that are saying oh she's demanding free seats fat for fat people why do fat people demand free seats and it's like it's not about that at all so that's something i definitely yeah. urge people to do sign the petition that she's got i'll have it in the show notes because yeah fat traveling is it's a big, big issue and just such a unneeded stress. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah, no, that petition and all of her work is like absolutely incredible and vital. And like, my God, the more of that kind of stuff that we can do, the more collective pressure that we can exert on these sorts of institutions and companies mm -hmm. and so on and so forth, uh, the better off we will be. This is like, I'm entirely on board and thrilled about it yeah yeah it's just incredible work what she's doing so highly recommend follow our Jaylene Chady on Instagram and then yeah head on over to the show notes sign the petition share it with everyone highly recommend yeah yes so yes. Aubrey Gordon we are nearing we are at the actually we are at the end of this podcast episode and I just want to say a big thank you so much for listening to me ramble just had this wanting to talk to me because i'm just such a fan of you and such a the fan of the work that you do it's just incredible and i adore you oh my god uh likewise and anytime like this was such an absolute joy like really and truly any old time i'm around I'm here thank for you it. <laughs> yeah. where, where can people find your book you just need to lose weight and 19 other myths about fat people where can people uh, find you plug away 
you can find uh, the book anywhere you get books or audiobooks or ebooks. Uh, I read this particular audiobook. So if you're enjoying the dulcet tones of this particular voice, go forth and audiobook it. If you are not, print options are available. You don't have to listen <laughs> to me. <laughs> uh, and uh, other than that, folks can find me at uh, aubreygordon.net uh, because I built a website in 1996, apparently. <laughs> uh, and uh, at YR Fat Friend, sort of across platforms on social media. Mm -hmm. So there you go. And of course, people can find you at the maintenance phase, of course. Absolutely. Wherever Actually, you get your podcasts. And I would highly recommend people join your Patreon for maintenance phase. Sorry, I'm like adding on to your plugs right now. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> your Patreon? Oh my God. I joined it, I think, only a couple of months ago. And I'm just mm. go going through all the episodes and I'm just like, oh, the goop one you did recently. It's so fun. It's so fun. I was genuinely shocked to enjoy any goop property at all. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. And I'm happy to just eat my words <laughs> uh, on one very specific slice of goop work. Yeah, one very uh, little small bit there. Yeah. Yep, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they're, uh, the bonus episodes are extremely fun to record for sure. Yeah, I love them. I think my favorite one will have to be when you look at the, um, oh, the food diaries, the celebrity food diaries. That it's was... such a bummer little economy. <laughs> it's such, a, it's such a, just a place to go to feel a little bit despondent is to watch those celebrity everything I eat in a day. Yeah. Like just a catalog of lies is really what it <laughs> seems like to me. Yeah. <gasps> or a catalog much. of eating disorders. Either way. <laughs> not yep. great. Not both, great. Both not great. Both not great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's right. Oh, well, thank you so much, Aubrey, for coming onto the show. I greatly appreciate it. You unsurprisingly have been such a delight. I adore you. And oh, I hope I hope now you have a more fond thought of Australia, not just being the land of Pete Evans and Belle Gibson. <laughs> I have had encounters with Australian people that didn't happen into a microphone and weren't like the worst <laughs> that the country seems to have to offer. Right? Like, I'm, like, I'm not the no. worst the country has to offer. No, Low standards. Are, like, I love it. <laughs> so many lovely Aussies that I know and adore. <laughs> and like, my God, uh, in the same way that I hope that uh, Americans are not judged on the basis of like Donald Trump, I certainly yeah. hope not to judge Australians <laughs> on the basis of Bell Gibson. Good lord. <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much for coming on to the show. And thank, thank you for having me. And thank you so much, listeners, for tuning in. As we said, go buy Aubrey's book, go listen to her podcast, go join the Patreon. Everything's all in the show notes. If you enjoyed my chat today, Please give it a five star review. I know that makes I mean I know I'm a little bit begging here, but you know, I I have I have no shame. Give it a five star review, give us a follow wherever you listen to the podcast, and also do be sure to check us out on Instagram at Fatonize. Thank you all for listening to today's show, and I will see you next week where we talk about more issues, taboos, and topics to do with being a fat bitch. I'll see you all next week. Bye. This podcast was sponsored by Lula Collective. Lux activewear designed for curvy gals by curvy gals.
We at Fatanize pay our respects to the traditional custodians of this land we record on today. This land is and always will be Aboriginal land.